This is episode 65 of Fatalist, a podcast devoted to the Supernatural series Lost Girl and all things sci-fi, supernatural, fantasy, and horror. My name is Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne. And Wayne, I got five inches of snow yesterday, and it's 60 degrees today. This is completely mental, this whole thing. I was just watching the rain that turned to hail. And then the snow. And I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> like, because, like, it's snowing. I'm like, no, it's not. It's almost April. You know, we are below the Mason-Dixon line here still. So April is, is not, there's not supposed to be any hint of snow. And, uh, well, and there you go. I had to go outside literally four times, like, every 15 minutes to clear off my satellite dish because the snow was so wet and heavy and it just stuck to the dish. I mean, ordinarily with regular snow, it wow. you know the signal gets yeah. through. And you, so you truly had experienced a hardship with this one, then, right? Well, it really would have been bad if the internet had gone. <laughs> right. You know, I mean, I think for both my wife and I, if we can only have one, we'll take the internet any day. Yeah. Well, so how many tea bags last night then? Yeah. Right. Thanks. <laughs> okay. You're, I think you're the only one that. Could pick I doubt it. But, uh, yeah, you're probably right, but uh, yeah, I got a few. I got a few additional points to make in that area, anyway. But uh, anyway, we're here to talk about episode two of Birds of Prey tonight, and you know we'll we'll get to that in a little bit. But you know, uh, first thing is I'm really liking the first two episodes of the hundred, and I think you know the elements of Lost were unmistakable yeah, in no, the second no question episode. About it. Yep, the Battlestar Galactica motifs about, you know, saving the human yep. race uh, have been there since the pilot. And, of course, now the shippers should be happy. Yeah, well, you know, you got to throw that in there. Well, you know, I mean, look, this is, of course, the CW, and, and uh, it's geared towards the young people. But, again, so far, uh, I'm liking it. It's a smart show. Yeah, right yeah, I, I like it a lot. So, you know, um, you know, the pilot is always going to be, you know, you're going to probably expect the pilot to be pretty good. Uh, but the episode two was was really good as well, and yeah, uh, and uh, uh, you know, the kid from Diary of a Wimpy Kid is is uh, hanging in there. Yeah, and there's usually a really big drop off. Uh, you know, the the first episode brought in 2.73 million viewers, and and the second episode was only down to 2.27. And you know, by CW standards, that's pretty good. And and uh, TV by the numbers, which is an online website that that I use to get a lot of my ratings information, and they seem to be pretty in tune with what's going on, and they're they're predicting renewal for this show. So you know that's encouraging. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, what are they predicting for Almost Human? All right. Well, let me let me run through the ones that I have. Actually, what I have is CW shows, and, and that's not a CW show. Now, uh, the Tomorrow People remains on the bubble. Beauty and the Beast, they are calling certain to be canceled. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Rain, R-E-I-G-N. I, I mean, I haven't seen it, but it it looks pretty cool, you know, actually, because obviously we watch a, more than a few CW shows, so, you know, you catch, you know, between commercial breaks or, you know, actually, yeah, you know, fast forward through the commercials, but right at the end, before they return the show, there's usually a little trailer for the next uh, rain it looks pretty yeah cool. i saw the first episode and it was pretty good uh you know for those that don't know it's historical fiction following mary queen of scots and uh you know around 1557 or so so they're saying that rain the originals arrow supernatural and vampire diaries have already been renewed so so those are all good to go and and that's pretty much it for the cw genre shows all encouraging. I uh, know you're Supernatural. Yeah. I'm Arrow. Uh, neither right. of us watch originals or Vampire Diaries. Although, again, I think we had this conversation a few months ago that, that there are enough people out there whose opinion we respect that say the Vampire Diaries is pretty good. I just can't seem to find the time. Yeah, that, that's, it's just a, it's a numbers issue at this point. But, uh, but you know, people could say, well, how about, you know, since, you know, almost human is, you know, likely to be canceled and why don't you fill that in but but it's it's not even that because now i have to you know i have to go back to the beginning right i have to watch however many seasons of the vampire diaries have already been and uh you know that's 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 a lot yeah. especially i think i'm gonna i'm gonna start recording Mad Men when they start up and i think i'm gonna start hitting on Mad Men there a little yeah bit. i've heard a lot of good things about it I, again like you said it's just a it's just a numbers thing 
Yeah, but I think there's only like they just do ten episodes a season on that yeah. show, and they've you know this is like what season nah, six? I, I have no now. idea. Five, six. So it's 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 doable for sure. Yeah. Now, if you listen to my Lifetime movies take five, well, the trend continues. Now, I, I you know I, I know. Look, I guess I've been married long enough that that you know I sit with my back to the TV and my, I've got my laptop and. I recognize a voice. So I turn around and it's Amanda tapping and it's some like baby kidnapping movie that apparently her infant died and she was so grief stricken that she kidnapped some woman's baby and then raised it. And at this point in the movie, the, the, the baby is now a teenager and the, the real mother is trying to track her down and like, Oh my gosh, you know? Okay. So that movie ends Another movie comes on, and I'm good. No problems. A third movie comes on, and I recognize this voice. So this is, let me just interject here to ask, is this one night? Yes, this is one night. You watched three Lifetime movies Well, I didn't watch them. I, you know, I'm just saying. Somebody in my house did. Now, the third movie, again, it's, you know, some woman wrongly accused of something. I don't, you know, she's arrested and put on trial. And the trial's going on, and I'm like, I know that voice of the prosecuting attorney. It's Dina Meyer. Right. And Yeah, I, I was looking at Dina Meyer's IMDb page today in researching uh, Batgirl and Barbara Gordon, and she's been in a buttload of television. Yes, and so clearly what the Lifetime movies approach to bringing men viewers in is to get sci-fi, supernatural, fantasy, horror actresses to be in their crappy movies well you could also say that as a sci-fi fantasy genre actress you are kind of like the you are also a lifetime movie actor you know it's like the same kind of level of celebrity and like a lot of us we like to be able to pay the rent or the mortgage Exactly. Right. Yeah. So when someone's going to pay you money for a job, all right. So the movie's crappy. Who cares? You know, it's like, you're not Brad Pitt, right? You can't command your own price. It's a fickle business. Get your money while you can. And if that means you're playing some lady who kidnaps a baby in a ridiculous, plotted, convoluted lifetime movie, then so be it. So be it. Yeah. Yeah, You got to pay the bills, man. All right. Well, I got a little bit of lost girl news and first, Chris Holden Reed has two feature films that are in post-production. The first, Saul, The Journey to Damascus, which apparently you know, is faithful to the biblical story. And in it, Emmanuel Vaugier plays Mary Magdalene. So so we've got the Morgan playing Magdalene. <laughs> that 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 I'm I might I I, I gotta see yes. this. Uh, there's an April 2014 release in Canada. So, yeah, exactly. I, I would... All right, so basically I won't be able to see this. Thing. Well, it's a theatrical release, so, you know, again, whether, whether it'll come on Netflix or not, who knows. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be at the local mall. Uh, no. Now, uh, Another You, which IMDb describes as a film that focuses on the young and ambitious science major, Sidney Jameson, who finds love and refuses to let it go at all costs, what starts as an ordinary relationship with her boyfriend, Marcus, slowly becomes a fixation that takes Sydney into the darkest depths of despair. Driven by obsession, Sydney loses herself in a scientific breakthrough, finding a way to use the theory of deja vu to explore her past mistakes. How far would you go in the search for true love? And this is uh, still Chris Holden Reed, who plays Sydney Jameson, Cassinia Solo. Yeah, so uh, now there's no release date for that yet, but it is in post-production. So, you know, hopefully it won't be too long. So, you know, it, and and right now they seem to be the only cast members that really have any projects going. So, you know, I guess Anna Silk's probably at home taking care of her baby who's, gosh, what, six months old now or older? Uh, yeah, right. We should we should probably know that, yeah, but, we should, we should know that. but we don't. So uh, anyway, now – in a little bit of just general news, Sci-Fi the Network announced last week that its original Sci-Fi series Helix has been renewed for a second yeah, season. Yeah, dude, Helix coming back for season yep. two. Executive produced by Battlestar Galactica's Ronald D. Moore, Stephen Maida from Lost, and Lynn Obst from Contact. 
uh, was created and also executive produced by Cameron Porcenda. Uh, just picked up a 13-episode second season order, productions to begin later this year. Now, they're saying for a winter 2015 premiere, and I'm trying to figure out, does that mean January 2015 or November 2015? So I'm hoping January 2015 if I decide to actually get into the show because November would be a heck of a long way away. Yeah, I don't know. I remember seeing, like, yeah, coming back in 2015. I was, like, kind of like, but, oh, wait a second here. But, but uh, when did it start? It started in, like, December, January. I believe right? so, yeah. Yeah, so hopefully, you know. It'll be January um, rather than. Hopefully, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. All right. But, uh, dude, you know. I know. You, I know. I, I just. I, I know. It, it, it's, it's, the, it's the show you like, man. It's the exact type of show I you know. like. It is really good. And it got crazy at the end. All right. Like super crazy. Right. It is. It was really good. I, I loved Helix. It was fantastic. All right. Well, I'm going to give it a shot. It still is fantastic. All right. Yeah. All right. Now, non-genre fans may be surprised that one of the most visible actresses these days is Scarlett Johansson, whose portrayal of Black Widow and Iron Man, the Avengers, Captain America. And now she's got a new movie that has wowed audiences worldwide. Um Finally, however, superpowers will be added to her list of talents and abilities. Johansson's set to appear in Lucy, a new movie from writer-director uh, Luke Besson, The Fifth Element, The Professional. And in this film, she plays a young woman who, while forced to work as a drug mule, accidentally ingests a mysterious drug that gives her powers well beyond that of a normal human being. According to Slash Film, with the drug in her system, Lucy can absorb knowledge instantaneously, is able to move objects with her mind, and can't feel pain and other discomforts. And to this point, Natasha Romanoff has had to rely on martial arts skill, uh, her experiences with a gun, and her hacking abilities. And, you know, since Johansson is on a bit of a sci-fi superhero tear, it's, it's uh, pretty cool to see her get some superpowers. Uh, in addition to her third role as the widow in Captain America, the Winter Soldier, she'll also appear as an alien seductress in Under the Skin, which opens the same day as Captain America, which is April 4th. So, you know, um, look, you know, if we had one of those lists where your wife says, okay, you know what, um, if it's one of these women, I'm okay. Yeah, the exception. Exactly. Uh, I think she'd be on it for me. Yeah, uh, probably she's on like 85 to 90% of the heterosexual male populations exemption. Yes. So uh, anyway, so that's all I got for news tonight. Uh, so you got a little bit of Project X related to Birds of Prey, right? I do. So I figured since obviously all of these characters are from the DC comic universe <clears throat> that, um, you know, maybe we can do some Project X as far as you know, what has gone on with these characters in the comic book world, and so I'm going to focus on one character uh, each week for you know the next uh, you know two three weeks, <laughs> and so what we got this week I start off with kind of the leader of the Merry Bunch here, which is Barbara Gordon, aka Batgirl, aka Oracle. So if I asked you. Who is what is Batgirl's seek normal identity? You would say Barbara Gordon. Barbara Gordon. Everyone would say Barbara Gordon, but Barbara Gordon was not the first Batgirl. Actually, uh, Betty Kane in 1961 was the original Batgirl, and she was actually kind of teamed up with her mom, who was Batwoman, and they're both kind of like sidekicks to to Batman. Okay, is this comic book? <clears throat> comic okay. book, yeah. <clears throat> but as you just alluded, Batman went to television in the late 60s. And in 1967, uh, the TV network was starting to feel the ratings pinch a little bit and felt they needed a more feminine presence on the, the show. So they actually, Barbara Gordon's uh, birth as Batgirl came about because the TV show needed the comics to create another Batgirl so that they could have a Batgirl on the TV okay. show. So that's how Barbara Gordon got the interesting. gig. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Now, were you a Batman comic reader? Uh, I was for a little bit. 
um, in in college. I I went with DC for a while, and I was collecting like Batman, Superman comics. But that that got expensive because you know like there's like three at the time there were like three or four different Batman titles. So you know like every month you're you're buying like three or four, and then like a couple. Of, it, it was crazy. It got to be too much. But so I have quite a few uh, Batman comics and and a lot of the. Uh, um, graphic novels as well, one of which is uh, The Killing Joke, which is a 1988. Alan Moore, he's like, he, I don't know if you've ever heard of Alan Moore. He's he's huge. Um, he actually did, the the guy who did The Watchmen. Oh, yeah. Oh, I love that movie. Yeah. Well, he he did the, the graphic oh, novel. Okay. Um, and so he's, he's a big, huge, 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 huge name in the comic book world. Um, and so... He did the the Killing Joke in 1988, and that is where the the Joker shoots Barbara Gordon and in the spine, and she beca- she becomes paralyzed. Mm. So that bit that you know the TV show didn't make that up; they pulled that right from the comic okay. book. Um, and so after being shot in the, in the comic book world, she becomes the computer genius Oracle, just as she is in in the television All show. Right. So, well, actually, that I'll, I'll take a step here to to point out that um, there are the, the actually apparently Batgirl is kind of has I'm not saying she's controversial, but um, that she has socio political ramifications, I guess, because a lot of people saw her as a very positive female figure uh, because she wasn't a sidekick to Batman; she was like her own woman did her own thing, did things her own way, kind of teamed up with Batman, and they worked together as peers. Um, but uh, she wasn't like this second banana, right? And she had her own title and everything, so a lot of people do that. And then she gets shot, and she's paralyzed, and everyone's like, oh, well, there you go. you got a strong woman character, and so they somehow have to make her a victim, and they have to take away from her vitality right. and everything as a character. Um, and, you know, and then they, they point out that, so, you know, some people say, well, you know, Batman's back was broken as well in the comic books, Bane broke. But, like, Batman bounced right back for that, whereas Barbara Gordon was in a wheelchair until uh, 2011. In 2011, uh, DC decided to cancel all their titles and relaunch 52 of them. Okay. And they call it the New 52 yeah. event. Yeah. And so when they did that, uh, Barbara Gordon then uh, had an operation that cured her paralysis, and she was able to become Batgirl again. Okay, and when we talk about this episode tonight, that that you know is sort of alluded to, um, right? Because she's got that that chip, yeah. you know, not on her shoulder but in, in her <laughs> neck. That uh, you know she can control the chair, and, and so I think it was was a Huntress. Or no, no, it was Dina. Dina. Or Dino. Dino. Who said, yeah, or, yeah, that can you, you know, maybe, you know, then control a pair of legs? She's like, maybe, yeah. So had the show continued on, maybe we would have seen that um, in the future. Yeah. So anyway, uh, in 1999 now, uh, Barbara Gordon has, obviously in 1988, she, you know, she becomes Oracle rather than Batgirl. In 99, Helena Bertinelli, who is the Huntress, uh, takes over as Batgirl. Then Helena Bertinelli is the Huntress on Arrow, the television yes. show. Though obviously it's Helena uh, Kyle in Birds of right. Prey. Um, but she seems to have a similar, some similarities to our Helena on Birds of Prey because she can't follow Batman's strict guidelines as how to become, how to be a proper superhero, and so she gets sacked. And Cassandra Kane takes over from 2000 to 2006. Uh, and Cassandra is notable because she was uh, half Asian. And so it was, you know, kind of saying this was one of the first times that a, um, in, in America that a, like an Asian character became like a major uh, character with her own uh, title. Yes, for six years, she had her own, her own book, her own title. Um, from 2009 to 2011, then Stephanie Brown became Batgirl. <clears throat> I think Stephanie had formerly been Robin as well for a little bit, and so she became Batgirl. And then, so that was up 
and then you know she so she was the one who who got the sack kind of when uh you know DC did the big uh relaunch and everything so the last thing i want to say about batgirl is that uh the tv show which we all hold close to our hearts uh she batgirl was played by Yvonne Craig who you might probably oh yeah sure from uh, monsters no no what do i know her from you might know her from season three of Star Trek in the episode called The Whom Gods Destroy. She plays this Orion slave girl, Marta. Okay. Now, is this the original Star Trek? The okay. original Star Trek. Uh, she's like green and does kind of an erotic dance and tries to seduce Spock, I believe. Oh. Um, if you remember, like, they, they went down to this plant that was all like crazy people. It was all like the, it was like the insane asylum for the Federation. And they go down there, and, like, this captain, who was, like, one of Kirk's heroes, is down there. But he's learned to, like, transform. So he's transformed himself into the guy who runs the place. And then he tries to, like, take over. It's all this crazy stuff. But, yeah, well, Yvonne Craig was in. All right. Actually, I'm thinking of Yvonne DiCarlo. Two different actresses. Ah, so Yes. All right. That's a lot of good stuff, man. Thank you. All right. Um, all right, well, why don't we jump into our discussion of Birds of Prey Episode 2, which was called Slick, and it aired on October 16th, 2002. And I, I think we were talking last week about Rachel Scarston, and she was 16 when this show was made. So she's she's 28 now. In the first one, the first episode, I was definitely seeing Tamsin in her. I don't know why. It was just like some way she was like kind of looking or everything. Um but now I'm I'm not at all. Now I'm I'm really seeing no, no, as, you can, as, I don't think you, as a right, kid. I don't yeah. think you can help it. And and but now two episodes in, I mean, I really like this show. And and look, I mean, one of the things that struck me is that whereas Lost Girl is clearly an adult oriented show, and we were talking about this today at work, Birds of Prey, while you know, I mean it's not strictly a kid's show, it's certainly suitable for children, you know, maybe PG thirteen uh, you know, is there violence? Sure, but it's kind of more stylized martial arts stuff, and they're shooting, but nobody ever seems to get hit. Um, and and you mentioned your your youngest daughter at one point. You know, Daddy, I'm starting to get scared, right? Right. Yeah, because I had it on in the living room. I was trying. We were actually we were supposed to record last night, and so I hadn't been able to watch the episode yet. So I was like desperately trying to to watch it. And uh, but uh, the youngest was home, and uh, she just kind of. Sat down next to me, and I'm like, okay, well, so far, it's not too bad. She might be able to handle this. And then it got to the one part where, you know, Slick was, you know, at the police station, uh, the, the one female cop, he was on the floor, and, and she's like, I'm scared. So I'm like, uh, okay, and, and turned it off. But my son, uh, Brendan, who's 11, was right behind me. And he had like he was actually in the other room playing Minecraft. He heard the show and he kind of like wandered in. It was like, ooh, you know. And, and he was sitting there watching it with me, and he really liked it. So when we turned it off, he was like, "Oh, come on, you know." Like, so it, it, which is exactly what you were saying that you know the eleven-year-old loved it, thought it was great, uh, but the five-year-old got a little scared. Yeah, and so. and you know, I think sometimes, uh, I think sometimes some of us take Lost Girl a little bit too seriously. I mean, it, it, you know. And I guess just this show, it's just a fun show, but already they're really exploring real issues. And, and, you know, I really like that. Now, the other thing that struck me, it's visually a dark show, you know, that, that, uh, yeah. which I'm, I'm really liking. But it's one of those things that you pretty much have to watch it at night in a dark room just to, to really be able to take in all the visuals. Yeah, and, and since I got my, uh, my Blu-ray player back, then I can actually – watch it on that which is really all cool. right nice now now uh the other thing that struck me is that that one of the issues that that kind of comes out and and i mentioned earlier on that shippers are going to like it but it, you know it's kind of the issue that crime fighting doesn't leave much time for a normal social life no it doesn't because you know you're just on some date and uh you know your your beeper starts going off and it's saying delphi program you know uh, super important. Yeah, right? you know, but but again, now you mentioned the wheelchair, and 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 I, the things I had read was that the the network that they were not really behind the character in a wheelchair motif, and that was part of the struggle. But I, I just really like. I mean, she's she's in the chair, 
but it just doesn't seem to impede her. No, you know, like that one line when she goes out on the date, she says, I usually don't let anybody push me. Right. So, um, and then of course we see Helena who has a crush on Reese. I think that's pretty clear. We'll get to that in a little bit. Um, sure. The, uh, you know, the whole idea of Helena having to come to terms with uh, the arrival of Dinah, but I thought I would throw this one out at you, and I probably should have uh, given you a heads up because this is kind of going to put you on the spot. All right, here we but, go. Um, you know, the command center is in the clock tower of Gotham City's tallest building, right, or so it would seem. It, uh, yeah. Uh, it's very tall. And they're always showing these shots of the moving gears in the clock tower, which is clearly a metaphor for for what? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, like clocks usually you know, metaphor for um you know, for mortality and things like that, but um it could also be just like the modern machinery, especially when you have like characters plotting. You know, oh, like, okay. Um, things like that. So it could be like trying to uncover the, the, the mechanics and the me- uh, machinations of the bad guys, maybe. Oh, I like it. See, I knew you'd come up with something good. See? Yeah. All right. Now I could go fertilize my garden with that as well. Yeah. All right. Well, like a lot of shows we do, including Lost Girl, uh, you know, there's a procedural at the heart of it, right? And, and we, you know, we, we find out, and I think we found this out last week, that, you know, uh, Dr. Harleen Quinzel... I mean, her goal is to take over Gotham City or new Gotham City. And and she's trying to get $30 million worth of rocket launchers, grenade launch, whatever. Yeah, there's some points where you just have to, with this show, yeah, there's a lot of uh, super willing suspension of disbelief but, but that's okay i mean yeah. that's what the show is yeah no it's it's fine and it's not pretentious and take it like you said it doesn't take itself too seriously but there's a lot of parts where it's just like you just gotta say all right i'm just gonna yeah roll. well you know but so so clearly we're gonna have this overarching theme during the course of this season uh and uh, I, I i would certainly think that it will you know take place over the whole course so you know we'll see but uh, we're introduced to Liquid Man. Or, no, I'm sorry, yeah, liquid, liquid Guy. guy right, Liquid Guy. Liquid Guy. Which, you know, it was funny because uh, Dina says that in the beginning, and, and then they're like, no. And then Reese at the end calls him Liquid Guy. It's like, hey, that was that was Dina's yeah, yeah, exactly. So. so, you know, we see him early on that, that um, you know, I'm not sure whether he deliberately got himself arrested or he was just, he's just that inept. Uh, well, I think he's that in that because clearly, you know, getting arrested was not part of the plan. But it's just, just I guess he's kind of cavalier about it because who cares if he gets arrested? He could just turn himself in the water and escape any time. Which begs so. the question why he didn't do it to begin with unless he just didn't want anybody to see it. But, uh, right. you know, so he kills one of the officers, gets away. The, the second death of the officer, of the, of the female officer, gets the attention of Oracle. And the five-year-old right, daughter. Right. And gets the attention of the, <laughs> the team, right? And, you know, we've... Well, I think they got, the first one got their attention as well. But now with the second one is, you know, we officially have a pattern. Right, exactly. And we find out that, you know, she's contracted the uh, liquid guy. Uh, so, you know, is he metahuman or... I, I, I would definitely say okay. that he is, yeah. That's kind of the big the, the procedural that's going on. And, you know, Helena a.k.a. Huntress, tracks him down. And she's got her run-in with Detective Reese again. And, and you know, the sauna scene was uh, was kind of nice for, certainly for the shippers. It's, and, you know, it's a little bit some of, of, of all, you know, you got a attractive woman in her underwear and an attractive guy stripped down to, you know, with his shirt off and everything. So, it's a little bit of something well, for she everybody. She still had her leather, her long black leather pants on. Right, but she took her top. She just took her Morpheus jacket off, and uh, right. So she had, she was in the bra, and he was, he was, you know, so they both took right, the but which is just, it's all good. It's fair, Title Nine type equality. Exactly, but but you know, I mean, obviously, what it's serving to do is that that we've got an outsider that's clearly going to come in. Right, and it's it's certainly right. what's been happening with Arrow during the course of the second season, where they just keep you know one more person finds out 
Yeah. Oliver Secret. At some point, he really just has to stop telling people that he's the, that, you know, that he's a superhero right. because, like, it's just getting ridiculous how many people. Right. Know. Or he's got to start killing him, but he doesn't kill anymore. <laughs> right. He doesn't yeah. kill so, uh, um, anyway, so we got that going on. Now, again, similarities to Lost Girl and Bo. You know, we, we find out in this episode a little bit more truth about Dinah's character that, you know, she wasn't raised by her birth parents, right, just like Bo, that, uh, you know, she was abandoned, uh, knew she was different, but had nobody to talk with it. Right, and foster parents were not sympathetic to her difference. Right, so, you know, I mean... the. Taught her that it was right. Evil. I mean, the parallels to Bo are, are you know, eerie. Tons yeah. of uh, you know, searching for finding a place to belong. Again, same storyline. Uh, her character. I mean, she's impulsive, just like Bo. You know, doesn't want to learn the basics. Wants to go right to the advanced weaponry. You know, even though she really can't control it. And again, so much of this. You know, don't tell me what I can't do. Right. And she follows yes, her heart. Yes. Yeah. And generally that, that helps her Right. Out. And, you know, the difference is that Bo, you know, is a 30-year-old pissed-off adult. And Dinah is a 16-year-old naive kid that is just, like, you know, beside herself that she's found a group of people that accept her for who she is. Yeah. good. That's a, that's a good assessment yeah. there, Dave. Um, now, a couple questions I had. You know, does... Okay. Dr. Q know that Helena is the huntress? I'm guessing no, but... I don't think okay. she does. But, yeah, obviously she knows that, you know, Bruce Wayne's her dad. Right. Don't know if she knows that Bruce Wayne is Batman, though. Right, and I'm guessing that's not common knowledge. I mean, Helena no, knows. Right, because, you know, Bruce Wayne was very, very particular about, you know, hiding his identity. Yeah, yeah, so... Uh, uh, but, you know, there is that, that scene, and Helena... You know, kind of reveals that, um, you know, her, the only thing she wanted from Bruce Wayne was, was to, for him to get revenge against the Joker. You know, and obviously that kind of strikes a note with Dr. Quinzel. Right, right. Now, you wonder how much Gotham City history Dinah even knows. I mean, does she know about Batman? Does she know about Joker? Again, we don't know that yet, you know, what she knows and... Uh, you know, how much Gotham City history has worked its way to wherever she has come from. So, yeah, it seems like what she knows has come through these kind of telekinetic, that's not the word, uh, these mind thingies where she has been able to enter, uh, the, you know, where she gets this kind of extrasensory perception. Yeah, through touch. Thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but like, the, and, you know, why she came there, because she knew to go there. Because she was already getting these visions of of Helena and Barbara, right, back in Missouri or whatever. Right, right. Now, if we were going to do nitpicks, I think my nitpick would be: How come when Liquid Man was handcuffed wearing clothes, his clothes also turned to water, but when he reappeared in Doctor Q's shower, he wasn't wearing clothes? Yes, and my nitpick would be, as it was with my five-year-old daughter, is why is that lady wearing lipstick in the shower? <laughs> <laughs> when you told me she said that, that's that's priceless. <laughs> because I I had just typed that into my notes, like because I'm like she's totally wearing lipstick. Like what the hell? And then uh, and then you know Nora rolls up. That's because that's like I, not that I let her watch shower scenes. I mean that's literally right when she she took one look and said, "Why is that woman wearing lipstick?" I was just like, "That's classic, man." <laughs> yeah. Now, um, all right. Well, you know, we, we've talked a little bit about Barbara Gordon slash Oracle slash formerly Batgirl, daughter of Police Commissioner Gordon, and and you know a lot of what we saw tonight was in, in this episode rather was her trying to have a relationship outside of crime fighting and, and, you know, trying to, to date a fellow teacher at new Gotham city high school. Who I don't trust. Yeah. Well, you know that, that it's, it's, it's funny. You just saying that is the first time I really thought about it. And as soon as the words came out of your mouth, I'm like, you're right. I know. Yeah. I, I hate to say that to you, but <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't know if I'm going to be proof. Cause like my initial reaction is I don't trust him because He's like, he started this. He's really pr pursuing this. And not them saying she's not a pursuable person. She totally is. She's gorgeous. Right. But, you know, whenever you have, like, a character who's in a kind of clandestine 
secret life thing and then someone who's all of a sudden showing like a romantic interest you're always yeah like you know it's just it, it, what as a as a tv trope the the guy who seems like the the nice guy that turns out to be the the evil guy it happens all the time yeah yeah um obviously she's the mother figure to you know to both helena and now dinah and there were, again there were some great lines i mean the, the, one of my favorites when uh you know dinah and helena are are arguing i don't even remember what they were arguing over there will be absolutely no use of superpowers to settle domestic disputes yeah yeah, yeah. and it's like yeah perry you're, you're always like shouting out ridiculous rules like that all the time yeah right and then you are so grounded you know, for uh, stealing the car and going to save, uh, yeah, whether she actually saved Helena, but she certainly made her her job easier in, in that fight. Yeah, I think she did. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think you're right. That's probably something we need to keep an eye on about the, the motives of uh, fellow English teacher. Well, no, we don't know if he's an English teacher. Yeah, uh, yeah, no. uh, did, you, did she have F. Scott Fitzgerald written on her board? There was only a couple things I, you could see I, this time. I missed Okay. I meant to pay more attention. Um, oh, oh, but that's I, I had that in my. I forgot to mention that because in the in the comic book, she's a librarian. Oh, okay. So, which is apparently also has not without his controversy, as some librarians librarians think that's great because it's like, oh, here's a kick ass character and she's a librarian. So, let's see, librarians can kick ass. Okay. But then other people say, well, no, her job as a librarian is meant to be you know, juxtaposed with her kick-ass life as opposed to her sedate, quiet life as a librarian, which is just your stereotypical librarian thing. So there's a controversy about everything, Dave, is okay. basically the point of that. Okay, and I'm not sure we ever actually have verif uh, have it verified that she's an English teacher. I think maybe we just assume that because of all the writers' names right. written on the board. Yes. So Yeah, I uh, guess maybe we did. Yeah, I don't know if we ever had got... Actual verification. Although it does look like a classroom, there's student yeah. desks there, and we'll uh, have to see when they have a class. And she says, "Okay, let's just name authors, and I'll write their name on the board." Class and yeah. quiz tomorrow. Yeah. Now the other thing that does come up, which which we kind of alluded to a few minutes ago, when Dinah asks her about how she moves without pushing any buttons, and and she you know has tells that she learns to control it, and Dinah mentions, "Well." Do you think you'll ever be able to send those impulses to your legs? And the answer is, you know, maybe someday. So I don't think we're going to, you know, again, from the little bit I've read, I don't think we're going to see that in this series, but whether or not it was, you know, in the plans for the long haul, who knows? Yeah. I mean, I, if they've mentioned something like that, you know, it was in the plans for the long haul. So I don't know if we're going to see that, but we, we did kind of see it last episode, you know, in the dreamscape where she was walking and everything. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, now, you know, I'm not sure who my favorite character. Look, I mean, obviously I'm partial to Rachel Scarston's character coming in, but uh, I, I'm really, I'm really liking Helena's character. And, yeah, and, pretty much. Uh, you know, she's go. We see her in her final court mandated therapy session with Dr. Quinzel, and you know, we find out really the source of all her anger. Now, we're not sure what she actually did, how she took out her anger to you know be mandated by the court, but her father never exacted revenge for her mother's death, and that's the source of her pain. You know, feels her mother would have never let that happen. Right. Her, her mother, Catwoman, would have, you know, would have exacted revenge immediately. And and, you know, just that, you know, that character. I mean, I guess it is a trope, you know, that character that's just fueled by hate or fueled by, you know, the, the desire to or exact anger, revenge. Anger, Yeah. Yeah. And and again, I mean, it, it certainly can make for a fascinating character as we see that person evolve which is i think certainly what we started to see as she started to kind of of uh you know the ice kind of melted in her relationship with dinah in this episode well you know reese pointed out to her very well it's like just because you help me doesn't mean that i trust you you know sure like the trust is more than just kind of you know helping out when times are tough trust is you give yourself to another person right you and so and so she realized she she obviously was able to translate that to her relationship with, with Dinah. 
Yeah, and, and in fact, I mean, that whole idea of trust plays a big part in this episode, as you just alluded to, that, that she tells Dinah that, that I have to, you know, I have to be able to trust you that you've got my back, you know, in, in a life and death situation. And, and really, at this point, why would she trust Dinah? I mean, Dinah's totally inexperienced in the crime-fighting world. Yeah, well, and it's not even that, too. I mean, here's this kid just comes out of nowhere and wants to, you know, tag along, wants to be, you know, again, like, of course, you would not be wary of that individual because you're like, what we do is secret, it's dangerous, and someone, the, the people love to infiltrate our little organization here, so... That, that would be something they would need to be aware of. Yeah, which is interesting why Barbara is so ready to accept her at face value and Helen is not. And, and you know, the, she goes through that thing that, uh, you know, she's not a very good liar. And it's like, yeah, well, neither were you when you came. You know, so that that's, you know, we'll, we'll follow that. I mean, look, I, I think we know that Dinah's genuine, so we're not going to have that the way we might have with that teacher that's, right. you know, after, after Barbara. Yeah, it's just about, you know, that, you know, like an act of faith. You know, I, I didn't really think about that because, you know, like kind of trust goes both ways. If you want someone to trust you, you have to let them know who you are. You have to let them in. Right? You can't yeah. be aloof and and then expect that other person to trust you if, if you're not even going to, you know, kind of let them into your world and let them know who you are and everything. So, uh, and then she turns around and, and says, you know, that to, to Dinah, that, you know, that she realizes, I you know, that Dinah's trying to let her in and she's just not, she's refusing that gift. Dinah's offering it. She's saying, here's who I am. And, and she's refusing before, but now she's not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, I mean, obviously the one thing about Dinah in her quest to become a trusted member of the team, she's again, a lot like Bo. She's not very good at following orders. Uh, right. But on the other hand, you know, she, she does have a natural instinct for things. She reads a situation and reacts to it again, just like Bo. Uh, and while she doesn't necessarily save Huntress, she certainly helps in that situation. And that's kind of what, you know, really, I guess the bravery, you know, the, the, the willingness to do, you know, whatever it takes, you know, got, got Helena's attention. Yeah. Since you're talking about her saving her, this is where I feel I need to, we haven't done like a really, really section. And I think maybe this show calls for it. I think we need to bring that back. That, that segment. Yeah, you're going to bring up the blowtorch, aren't you? Yes, the flamethrower. Like, like so she lands here. She, you know, she crashes through the ceiling, which is super cool. And then, like the bad guys, like one guy's got a gun, but the other guy's holding the flamethrower. I'm like, why is he holding the flamethrower? <laughs> like, what the hell? Yeah, <laughs> you know. And then, and, and it's just like, well, oh well, we learned that you know that slick is affected by temperature, extreme hot and extreme cold, so. Hmm, I wonder if Helena is going to be able to make use of that flamethrower. But it's just, it was so ludicrous, though. I mean, I like the show, don't get me wrong. But that was just so preposterous right. that that the bad guy would have strapped on a flamethrower. Like, that, like there, there weren't, guns, are, believe it or not, are, are much more effective. Flamethrowers are not good protective security type things. Oh, right. They're so, a little cumbersome. Yes. And, well, and they... They're not very accurate. Well, the other thing I really liked was she's she's grab she grabs the guy with one hand, and she's got the flamethrower in the other hand. So she uses that, and then when she's done, she just drops <clears throat> them both, right? right? So he's still got the flamethrower, I think, strapped on his back. Um, so yeah, I know I know exactly what you're saying, but uh, still a cool scene nonetheless. It um, was cool. It yeah. was cool. Yeah. That, now the other thing, you know, we learned Dinah. She's a pretty quick study. She's alone in the command center, which. Given the amount of time that she's been with them, I thought was a little bit strange, but okay, you know we're, we're we're okay. And she figures out where Huntress is and takes the car keys, and like any typical teenager, stealing the car keys from mom. So, well, not not this teenager. Not not my you. parents would have. My parents would have flipped the lid. Well, fortunately, I you know everybody I wanted to go see was within walking distance, so I just had to sneak out. I didn't need to steal the car, but uh, <laughs> that's another story. Um, right. Now, the uh, the other thing with, you know, jumping back to Helena for a second, you know, th that whole attitude that you don't depend on anybody but yourself, and then, uh, you know, we find out at the end that she wants to continue therapy. Right. And Which is like both of them are dressed like really 
awkwardly. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, they're both going out. I mean, now, now yeah. I don't think she was rocking her uh, Morpheus outfit in that scene. But, no, she uh, had like a like. But I mean, she she shows up to to the doctor's office with a you know like a top with the part of the you know right above yeah you know, part of it cut out. I don't know how to describe it, but you know, just like it just seemed weird that she would show up to the doctor's office dressed like that. And of course, then the doctor's dressed in her red, you know going out dressed too. So. Right. Now, Ashley Scott, you know, who, who plays uh, Helena, I, I was looking at pictures of her on, uh, you know, just Google images, and she's more often a blonde than she's a, a brunette. And I don't, personally, I think she looks far better as a brunette, but that's another story. Yeah, I think I saw just one shot of her when she was in Jericho, and, she, you know, she had blonde hair. And, yeah, I thought the same thing, that's she looks, you know, awesome with that that really dark hair. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. All right, uh, Detective Jesse Reese, who we meet in the pilot episode, and and, and I think we said at the time we're probably going to see him as the girl's connection to the police force, and somehow they're going to be working together. And he spent the last two episodes, you know, really, I mean, certainly not unlike Carlos in Continuum, trying to wrap his head around time travel that he's now trying to wrap his head around all these things he's seen. And, you know, I guess to his credit, he's going to deal with it. It looks like, well, yeah, but he also is kind of like, like we said before, you know, he's not just going to help him out for nothing. Well, well, no, because I think the, the, on the one level, you know, I, I guess by definition, these superheroes are doing the jobs that the police can't do or are unable to do. So it's almost like, I don't want to help you because, you know, basically you're saying that I can't do my job. Yeah. That'd be part of it. Yeah. So, uh, you know, but we'll see. I mean, clearly, you know, and and in fact, she even tells, uh, Dr. Q that, you know, I, I met a guy. So we'll see where that goes. You know, she's very secretive. And then, yeah. And and then, well, lastly, Dr. Harleen Quinzel, and, you know, we find out she's only been in New Gotham for a few months, that she's here to avenge Jokers being run out of town, and we learn that he is locked up in prison somewhere, okay, so he's, you know, not dead, and you wonder, look, if we were doing a prediction segment, you know, we might predict that at some point this season, Joker's going to be released into the New Gotham City world, but, you know, we'll have to see, I mean, you obviously we don't have any previous knowledge about that right and another thing about dr quinzel do you did, did you have you imdb her um i did not did you, I, I just thought you like, mean mia mia part. sarah yeah well i did and i was trying to think you know because i think what i saw her in was like in 1990 something or it was very long ago what but. i saw her in was 1985 i think Oh, Ferris Bueller. Yeah, she slowed freaking Peterson, man. My, my wife knew that. I didn't know that. I, I, I just, you know, because she, I mean, she looked familiar, but that, I wasn't thinking that at all. Um, and so I just went and looked. I'm like, it said she's a Ferris Bueller. Like, who'd she play in Ferris Bueller? I figured it'd say, like, Student 3 or something like that. But it's like Sloane Peterson, like Ferris Bueller's girlfriend. I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. Like, how many adolescent fantasies has she been the subject of yeah yep. like no kidding i was like oh my i, I was i almost fell out of my chair i yeah. was so surprised yeah now the one last character now i now have to go back and watch that shower scene again yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm sure it's on youtube somewhere you won't have to yeah. watch the whole movie but right, uh, right. i don't remember in the 60s batman how much of a role Alfred actually played. I mean, it just seemed like he was always, you know, there that, uh, you know, uh, sir, the Batmobile is ready, sir. Here's your weapon belt here. You know, it's just the basically kind of like the typical English servant, if you will. Right. I think not unlike the role Alfred plays in birds of prey. Yeah. Except that I think it's, you know, it's almost at least so far, he's kind of a sounding board for Dinah. And, you know, that that grandfatherly figure, whereas uh, whereas Barbara is the mother figure, he kind of comes across as the grandfather. So, um, you know, we'll see. I, I, I'm guessing he's not going to be in it a lot, maybe one scene per episode. But 
you know, that's cool. Yeah, and the, yeah, the one episode where he gets like captured or something like that. See that happening, you know? Yeah, but uh, but all in all, man, I'm really liking it. You know, I, I like the first episode. And I, I went into this one, you know, just, I don't know, almost ready to be disappointed. And I was anything but. I mean, I'm really looking forward to seeing episode three and, and talking about that. So, you know, listeners, if you, you know, if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't watched it, okay, yeah, I know we spoiled some stuff for you. It doesn't matter. I mean, this, you know, this isn't lost. This isn't, you know, some. Yeah. Right. So, so. Right. There's no, no huge reveals. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean. Go watch it. I mean, it's it's a fun show. It is fun. Yeah, and and Rachel Scarston and Rachel Scarston's in it, and and she's awesome. I mean, she really is. I mean, you 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 know, you see her acting at sixteen years old, and uh, again, she's just she's incredible. Yeah, it's you know, I I would just love to see her in you know more things. So yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, anything okay. else? Anything else you want to throw out there? Uh, let me just do a quick rundown of the notes here. I think we pretty much got most of it in, I believe. Yeah. All right. Well, you guys can drop us a line at fatalistpodcast at gmail.com or check out the website fatalist.podbean.com where you can, once again, leave us a voicemail. I think last week I said click the green tab at the right side of the page, but the green tab somehow mysteriously moved over to the left side of the page. So I'm pretty sure you can still find it. Um, you, oh, those green tabs. Yeah, I know. What are you going to do? I know. So uh, you can find us on Facebook, uh, trying to let you know with the occasional tweet on Twitter and continue accessing us through iTunes. But until next week when we're going to take a look at episode three. Yo, Dave. A day job for a supervillain is so bourgeois.